2 Timothy chapter 2. To see where we're going, we've got to look at where we've been, and so of course we have to review. But before we do that, let's pray and let's ask the Lord uh, to help us in our time together in His Word. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, and Lord, we just want to give you thanks for him. Thank you for your great love for us and your willingness to send him as our sin bearer. Thank you for his great love for us that he was willing to take the sins of the world, past, present, future, everything I ever did, everything I ever will do. He took it all and he suffered your wrath over it. And God, I'm just so grateful that Christ died for my sin, that he rose again on the third day to eternal life and that we here as believers in Jesus Christ can, can know that we have eternal life. We can know that we have a place in your family because Jesus has reconciled us back to you. You're our Father. We're your children. And so here we stand. We come together to study your word. And Lord, we want to, we want to be good stewards of this time. And so Lord, would you help us Would you help us to grow in grace and in truth? Would you help us to grow in our knowledge, our understanding, but most importantly, our application of the Word of God? Lord, we're like athletes. We're called to a race. And as such, we need to labor. We need to work hard. We need to train. Uh, We need to run correctly. And so we need to work on our technique. And and then, Lord, we want to run well. We want to be effective in the race of life that you've got us in, the, the, the race for the, this ministry uh, to lost souls and to disciple the saved. It's just a wonderful privilege. And so, God, would you use today to open our understanding and, and Lord, just bring us along in that process. You do all things well, and so we trust you this morning and give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. So, by way of review, we remember in chapter 2, we see that we have a mission So verse 1, we have to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2, we saw the mission, our key role as believers in Christ, the things that have been committed to us among many faithful witnesses, those same things we commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is critical, this mission of winning souls, making disciples, and then training training them up to go and do the same. So in verse 3, to serve the Lord means that we'll have to endure hardness. Uh, We'll have to be willing to endure tough times between the world, our, our, our fallen flesh, the lost world and its devil God. They're going to make sure that we're not effective in that mission. And that will produce difficulty. That will produce hard times for the believer who's going to be faithful in the mission that God's called them to. So, so the, the ability to endure is critical. It's hard to make faithful disciples when they're so immersed in so much false teaching. I mean, we've got our work cut out for us. And so we're gonna have to be faithful. We're gonna have to be patient. We're gonna have to keep laboring to train up our disciples in the way that they should go. We saw how we deal with false teaching. We don't isolate them from the world. We actually equip them in verse two. We teach them all things. This is how the Lord commanded it in the Great Commission in, in, in Matthew's last chapter. We're to teach them all things whatsoever the Lord Jesus Christ, what the Word of Christ commands. We train them up in the Word of God. And then in verse 4, 
We saw that we have to endure hardness as a good soldier. We have to, we have to be willing to lay our lives down on the field of battle. We also saw that we're to war freely. We're not to be ensnared by the affairs of this life. You don't wanna let your circumstances in life control you. No, you're a child of God, you control them. You keep yourself free to serve the living God. War freely. Don't be encumbered about with the cares of this world that ensnare you and keep you from effectively engaging in the mission. So many, so many Christians in the last days, they're wasting their lives entangled in the affairs of the world. So it's critical, what we talked about last time is just the need to normalize difficult situations. We need to begin the process of untangling ourselves from the clutches of the world. Now we come to today's text, verse five. 2 Timothy two, verse five says, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, he is not awarded, right? He is not crowned except he strive lawfully. Paul lived in a Roman-controlled world. Uh, the, the Romans were like us today. They were, they were sports nuts. Rome had conquered the Greeks, but Greek culture had, and Greek ideals conquered the Roman. In Greek culture, the language, right? The, 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 the events of sports, the culture of that day, it permeated everything. The games, the Olympics were a big deal to the Greek mind. Mike is coming up on the outside. <laughs> it's neck and neck, folks. Oh. And Mark takes it for the win. Okay, so the winner, Mark, he looks really happy, doesn't he? He looks really, he, he looks really jazzed. I mean, did he win? Did Mark win? Did you see what happened at the end? What did Mark do? Oh yeah, Mark cheated. Mark's a cheater, cheater. I mean, who, who should have won the race? I mean, who, Micah was gaining on Mark until that last moment when Mark shoved him down. So who actually won? When it was all said and done, who actually won? Alvaro, Alvaro is the winner. Alvaro's our champ, right? Okay, does this make sense? This is what we're talking about this morning. Thank you, God. Give it up for our racers. Praise the Lord. Better luck next time, Mark. Mark was jazzed, but what we found out is he didn't actually strive lawfully. Uh, he, was, he was cheating to win. Micah didn't finish well. He was a casualty in the race, wasn't he? Alvaro won. Remember, the Christian life, it's a battle. There are casualties. You want to be cautious. You want to beware. Something is always looking to trip you up to keep you from the finish line. So here we are. Okay, we just got done looking at the soldier. Now we're looking at the athlete. It's interesting. Both have to get in shape. Both have to exercise discipline. There's a lot in common between the soldier and the athlete. In many places throughout Scripture, we see Paul using those analogies. He's, he's using them interchangeably. He uses both types of imagery. And so, verse 5 starts with, and if a man also strive for masteries. 
If you intend to win the race that's set before you, if you intend to be a champion, okay, anybody that wants to do well in racing, what's the first thing that they have to do? They got to train. They have to train effectively. They have to train correctly. Their diet, their exercise, their regimen, it has to be on point. Otherwise, they'll end up wasting their time. So get this down in your notes. Nobody trains to run a race with the hope of coming in third. Nobody trains to run a race with the idea of losing. Like it or not, everyone is running a race. Everybody is engaged, but, and just know this, everybody's running somewhere. Everybody is on their way to accomplish something. In this lost world, we've got some people who are actually on their way to heaven, but some people are running headlong to hell. And for the believers in Jesus Christ, what are they doing? Some are running themselves. Some born-again Christians are running themselves into the ground, getting nowhere. They're encumbered. They're not, they're not effectively striving for mastery in the race that God's called them to. But some believers, they're running to win. They want to be fruitful for Christ. We already saw in verse 2 what the race is. right? We want to be fruitful for the Lord Jesus Christ. The things that thou hast heard of me among many faithful witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That means you need to endure hardness because it's a battle. This race, it's not just a race, it's a war. You can't be encumbered. And so if you're gonna be effective, if you're gonna win, if you're gonna be fruitful for the cause of Christ, then you have to strive for mastery. The race of verse two is critical, and so we need to give ourselves to excellence in the process of winning souls, making disciples, training and equipping them to go to do the same. Uh, the, the companion verse for this, this is the big one. Here's our, here's our number one cross-reference for verse five. It's 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verses 24 through 27. Let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. Paul's explaining how to run well the race that's set before us. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? Now only one can win, right? One receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. I mean, if you're gonna do something, do it well. If you're gonna do something, if you're gonna give your life to something, give the whole of who you are. All your, all your time, all your energy, all your resources should be effectively managed to produce the proper outcome. Run that ye may obtain. Every man, verse 25, and every man that striveth for mastery, there's that phrase again, striving for mastery. What's it gonna take to master your profession, to, to master your sport, to master the ministry? What's that gonna take? Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. So you think about running a race. Uh, for me, I mean, if it's got sugar in it, I like it. I mean, I love it. I, I can't find one thing wrong with a big, big bowl of vanilla ice cream. You put the, you put the uh, pecans, right, the, the crunched up pecans in it, maybe a few peanuts in it, get a little salt on there. It's a sweet and salty, that chocolate syrup. I mean, Dairy Queen, eat your heart out. That's a great way to end the day. Every day. <laughs> I'm not gonna do well on race day if I'm packing away a half pound of ice cream every night. 
I have to be temperate. I have to be able to say no to the things that I want in the flesh, don't I? Getting up and working out before work. Now you're up at five o'clock in the morning, you're trying to get your, you get your time in the word, your time in prayer, your time on the treadmill, your time on the trail. I mean, you gotta, you, it's tough to say no to the, the flesh wants to sleep in. I'm tired from yesterday's workout. I don't wanna get up and get to work. I mean, that's, that, that, that takes self-discipline. That takes temperance. I don't love sleep. I love winning. That's what I love. They're temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. That award that Alvaro got, that's not going to last long. It's a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible, we're running a race that really matters, and the rewards are eternal. It's an incorruptible crown. So here's what I do. Here's how I live my life. Here's how I live my life. Verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. I'm not wasting my time wondering what I should be doing. No, I've got a game plan. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. It's not wasted effort. It's not a frivolous approach to my training. No, no, no. I fight not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. My body doesn't get to do what it wants to do. It can't live how it wants to live. It's got to do what I tell it to do. So I live as a born-again Christian. Paul says I I mortify the flesh. I don't give it what it wants. I, I demand of it what is necessary for the mission. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. In our race that we just saw, who was our castaway? It was Mark, cheater, cheating all the time. Yeah, he's up there like, what, what did I do? You cheated, that's what you did. It was pre-planned. You get we didn't put on a race today, it was a, okay. So, like he disqualified himself. You can do that. You can be disqualified from the race. You could be at a place where, I mean, you know, a church has the authority to receive members, it has the authority and the responsibility to reject members. You don't get to call yourself a Christian and then cling to unrepentant gross sin and be a member at the Midtown Baptist Temple. You don't get to say, I love Jesus and I wanna serve him with my life, but I'm not gonna quit committing adultery with my neighbor's wife. Uh, Give me someone to disciple. No, that's not gonna happen here. Uh, We're gonna do Bible by you and we're gonna commend you over to Satan for the destruction of your flesh. Why? You've disqualified yourself. So brother, sister, in the race of life, in the race of ministry that God has before us, train and run to win. Don't go through the motions. Don't just have a form of biblical Christianity, approximation of obedience. Train and run to bear fruit, to win. So that begs the question this morning, how are you running the race of ministry? How are you running the race of life? Now the call is to run that you might obtain. So are you wasting your time with things that are not contributing to proper training? I mean, to to run well, verse 25, or, or chapter two, verse five says, to strive for mastery, right? And we just saw in 1 Corinthians chapter nine to in verse 25, we're, if we're gonna strive for mastery, we have to be temperate in all things. So, so thinking about what it takes to win a race, 
in the flesh, right, a, a, a foot race, a marathon, whatever it is, when you think about what it takes to be successful in that arena, what if the training in the faith, your spiritual training was translated into the physical conditioning, right? The, the, the physical, tactical conditioning that's required to run a race. What kind of shape would you say you're in today? I mean, would you step up to the starting line, fit, tram, and in shape, qualified, trained, ready to run, or would you show up to the starting line, would you weigh in on race day at a cool 350 pounds with a chicken bone stuck between your teeth? Like, how would, you, how would you say you're showing up to run the race that's set before you? What are you doing every day to train for the race, the great race for souls? In Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, Paul says, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was a man who was temperate in all things. My life exists to lay it down for God's glory. You say, well, he was an apostle. Of course he said that. <laughs> you are bought with a, cry, with, with a price, right? You are bought with the precious blood, the shed blood, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what do you do? Man, you need to lay down your life in return. Present your bodies, a reasonable sacrifice. You exist for God's glory and God's glory alone. You say, well, I'm not good at speaking to other people. You're in the right place. We will train you. We've got a plan to get you equipped. You can learn and you can study. You can know God's word for yourself and you can know how to use it in the lives of people. Uh, one of the mottos that we have as a local church is every member a minister. What do we mean by that? We want every member of MBT in the race for souls to win souls, to make disciples, to train them up to go and do the same. So every day you ought to be in training. Every day you should be sharpening your skill in the word of God and its use. Here's how we work out. 1 Peter 3.15, we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Man, every day, we're laboring in the word, we're working out in the word, we're sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts and we're ready to give an answer. One of the greatest pivot moments in my life as a young man, I was getting discipled and, and I was growing in the knowledge of God's word. I just finished D1, I was going through discipleship too, I was getting trained as a minister and, and it clicks for me that the lost world, what do they need? They need a word from the Lord. They don't need my opinions, they don't need what I think. They don't need me adding to the confusion and one of the greatest moments of my life in ministry is I'm at work and I'm having a conversation and, and uh, it's a spiritual conversation. God had opened a door and, and uh, one of my coworkers, whatever, I can't even remember what the subject was, but they're like, Miles, what do you think about that? And to be able to tell them with joy and a big fat grin on my face, they'll say, it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what the word of God says and to open up the Bible and to share with them what the Bible said about that situation, man, I was rejoicing. They're like, what are you, some kind of pastor or something? No, no way, no how, that will never happen. I'm just a guy that loves God, I love his word. The word of God changed my life. And to be able to point people to the word of God, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, train. 
Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So be like Rocky. Everybody's seen the movie Rocky, right? Rocky one. Has everybody seen that? Who hasn't seen it? What is Western, Western society is crumbling before our very eyes. Okay, put that on your bucket list. You wanna, you wanna watch Rocky One. it's a great movie. And I want you, you know, one of the things that Rocky does, uh, in all the Rocky movies, you've got the training montage, right? So you've got the cool music and then just Rocky going at it, blood, sweat, tears. He's up early every morning, taking in the protein of God's word, raw! Right, he's just, bring it, just drinking down the protein of God's word, raw. Our gym, right? Be like Rocky, get in the gym. Every member of minister, every member training. So from discipleship, right? Going through foundations, the foundation study to discipleship two, foundations two and three, get equipped, get trained. Do some heavy reps in ministry. Go through LFBI. That first half of the LFBI curriculum, it's designed so that every member of our local church will know the word of God from Genesis to Revelation so that you'll know how to rightly divide the word of God and you'll know how to use it in the lives of people. I mean, at a minimum, get the first 30 credit hours of LFBI under your belt. Get trained, but then also recognize it's not enough to know what to do. You've got to actually run right. You've actually got to do it. You must run right. Watch verse five again. It says, if a man also strive for masteries, like you want to run well, Okay, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. And remember what we just saw in 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Remember what Paul said? He says, hey, only one receives the prize, so I don't waste my time. I'm running to obtain. I wanna, and here, again, verse 25, saying the exact same thing. Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. They're doing it to win that race and get a medal, but not us. We're doing it for a reward at the judgment seat of Christ. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I do it right, I'm doing it lawfully. I'm running my race according to the rules that the race master has, has laid out. I'm running the course that's set before me. I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection. When I'm preaching, I'm preaching what was committed to me. I'm committing it to faithful men. I'm running correctly so I'm not disqualified. So get this down in your notes. If you're gonna run, run right. If you're gonna do it, do it right. Do it the way that the Bible describes. Don't waste your time. For many Christians, this is the little game that they play. So many Christians, this is what you do. You do the socially correct thing on Sunday morning. You come to church on Sunday morning and you look, I mean, you look, you sound like you're playing the part that God's called you to every Sunday. And uh, you're, you're, you're saying your bless yous and, and brother, sister, good to see yous. And, and uh, you're, 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 you know, you've got your, your phrases that you'll say, praise God, uh, blessings, brother, that kind of thing. Uh, you play the part of an athlete a race runner on Sunday when you're with all the other athletes, but then, you know, Monday through Saturday, you give no regard. You give God no regard whatsoever for the rest of the week. 
Let me ask you the question this way. Why aren't you in the race? Why are you, why are you going through life playing at Christianity, having a form of godliness but no reality? Why waste your time? Why put on, why front like you're a born again believer that actually is bought into the mission that God's called them to? When really you love the world, you love your flesh, you're, in the, you're ensnared, you're in the grip of the enemy. Why aren't you in the race? Many people, many Christians give it no thought whatsoever. They actually think that God, the word of God, the people of God, everything of God is just there to take care of them and make them happy, to make sure that their life is convenient and blessed. And they don't recognize that God's called them to train as a master, right? As a master in the race, you're temperate in all things, laying your life down for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't, give it, they don't give that any thought whatsoever. They've allowed the distractions of life to pull them completely off course. They're not in the race. They never even show up on race day. This was Paul's complaint to the church at Galatia. Galatians chapter five, verse seven. He said, you did run well. Man, you guys were moving. You were mattering for the mission. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not, here it is, obey the truth? Man, what did Jesus say about the truth? You shall know the truth and the, and the truth shall make you what? Man, it'll free you to run the race that God's called you to. Who hindered you? How did you get ensnared? How did you get encumbered with the affairs of this world so that now you're not running the race? You're not obeying the truth. Why'd you quit? So brother, sister, it's January. What a great time to set goals for your life. You guys know how this works. Every January, like January 1st through the 31st, you don't go to the gym because it's full of all of the New Year's resolutions that are gonna be broken by February. And so that's the time that you do some cross training, you do something else, and then on February you go back to the gym because all the posers gave up, right? Isn't that how it works? Every year, okay, so turn to your neighbor and just tell them, don't be a poser, right? We need to train, we need to do this thing it's a new year, let's set some goals, let's get our focus right. Let's get our goals set on the correct objectives. Here it is, Philippians 3, verses 13 through 14. Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have appreh apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Man, I feel bad about just living my life for myself, being encumbered with the affairs of this world. I feel bad that I'm not matter for God's mission. Forget that. Whatever brought us to today, that's got us training together, laboring together, running together, oh man, it was worth it all. Just the fact that we're here at this moment taking the mission that God's called us to seriously, it was worth it all. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. I know that's hard to do, to stay on point, to stay focused, to keep your training right, to keep your running right, okay? So what you need to do is get on our team. You need to get on the team. You need some accountability. You need people running with you. Paul says, I'm pressing. How did he put it? Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
I'm not wasting my time playing at it. I'm going for it. Uh, one of the things that I'll tell you regular, regularly, um, you know, as a pastor, like James says, be not many masters. Why? There's greater accountability. The judgment seat of Christ for a pastor is twice as long as it is for a member because they have to give an account. And I've already told you what I'm planning on doing at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, my heart, my goal is that every member of Midtown Baptist Temple at the judgment seat of Christ, there'll be some point of fruit, some point of eternal reward, something that will go into eternity because God used you in the life of another person. Somebody came to Christ. Somebody was equipped in the word of God. Somebody was able to move forward in faith because you were used of God in their life. And they, for eternity, exist as fruit that remains unto you. Man, praise the Lord. That's my heart. That's my goal for every member. I'm desperate that what we're doing as a local church is, is, is producing fruitfulness for every member. Every member can have a piece of the action. Every member can, 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 can be engaged in and living out biblical Christianity in a way that will matter in the lives of people and that will bring glory to God at the judgment seat of Christ. But I know, I recognize how it is. Uh, People do get disqualified. People, they get knocked off course. They begin well, but then they end up, you know, somebody got a hold of your heart, something happened, you got entangled, and you didn't, now you're not obeying the truth. And we'll get to the judgment seat of Christ and and I, I honestly don't know how it's gonna work, what it's gonna look like. I mean, I've got some insights, right? We have some plain speak about the judgment seat of Christ in scripture, but there's a lot that, that I don't know, but I'm just telling you, my plan is to throw you under the bus. <laughs> if I can get away with that, I'm gonna do it. I'm just telling you up front. My plan is to say, I told them, and they just wouldn't listen. We can bring up the YouTube link. Let's get the, hey, let's get somebody get on YouTube. Let's, be, let's, let's queue up a message. Yeah, right there, see, I told him, just wouldn't listen. Okay, that's my plan. I don't know if I get to do that or not, but uh, just know my heart. Okay, so this is critical. We all need accountability. It's, it's really tough. I don't know how many years I was, you know, trying to get in shape, and I, I, I've told you guys this story before. Uh, it's been a few years since I've told it, so I'll, I'll go ahead. Planning a church is hard. Uh, it was a lot of work getting a toehold at 40th and Walnut. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of work. And in the early days, I wore a lot of hats. I mean, repairman, I mean, the, the stuff that Chris Miller and I did in that first year, some of the stuff, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, we've been covered in every kind of muck. I mean, it's there's a lot of work, and so what was happening was, uh, I was up early, I was late, I was up late, uh, I, was, I was putting in a lot of work, and I wasn't eating right, and I wasn't exercising. And what I was doing is I was just slowly gaining weight. I think I got up to over 230 pounds. Uh, I'm five foot seven and a half. That's not good, okay, I was a chunky monkey. And I was walking up the stairs, uh, I was doing something in the basement, and I was going up the stairs, and by the time I got up to the pipe room, it's what we called it back then, uh, the pipe room upstairs in the back here, um, I collapsed. I'm sitting on some junk up in the pipe room, and I'm like, am I having a heart attack? Like, am I dying? And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, well, I couldn't even make four flights of stairs. I'm so fat and out of shape. And I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling sorry for myself. 
You know, I didn't take my kids to the swimming pool that whole summer. Like, I'm a terrible dad. I'm not raising my kids right. I'm not spending time with them. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. I'm just, I I probably wouldn't even live to see my kids graduate high school. I'm just sitting there moping and feeling sorry for myself. And in the back of my mind, I hear Mike Miles, uh, my dad's voice. And um, basically, it was an answer to the statement, my my excuse for why I'm not working out and taking care of myself is I'd broken my back uh, just before we started uh, the, the, the ministry here in Midtown, and I was having complications from that. Every time I would go to work out, I would get a back spasm to, at the level where I, it's hard to physically breathe, and, um, and so I'm feeling sorry for myself. You know, every time I work out, I'm getting back spasms, and, and Mike Miles, in the back of my mind, says, well, if you're getting back spasms all the time anyway, you might as well be working out. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to just struggle, I ought to be, struggled, ought to be struggling doing what's right. And, and, uh, and that's whenever I had a conversation with Chris Best, and we're like, you know, he was fat too. He was, he was out of shape. And <laughs> so I found, another, I found another chunky monkey, and we were like, what are we going to do uh, to... to make sure we make it to meet our grandkids. What are we gonna do? And, and so we took up triathlon, and so we started running together, biking together, swimming together. It was tough to not, I mean, there were times where I didn't wanna do it, especially in the first, we would commute. We've been, for years now, we've been commuting to work on Wednesdays on our bicycles. Um, the, the way I explain it is there's a 300-pound fat man that's chasing me all the time. Like, he is an endurance runner. And if I stop for a moment, he will swallow me whole. I could be 300 pounds in one year. I, I'm, I have a gift, okay? So I have to keep, there's times where it's like, oh my goodness, this is miserable. I don't want to do it. And well, I know Chris is going to be waiting on me. What did I do? I joined a team and we started running. We started training together and it changed my life. I want to invite you, get on the team with us here at MBT. Train with us, plug in with us. There are going to be times where you don't feel like it. You're going to be too tired. You're going to be too whatever. You're going to be too tempted to be entangled with the affairs of this world. Yeah, but you've got teammates waiting on you, right? You've got teammates that want to meet with you in Bible study. Get on our team. Philippians 4 verse 3 says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. That word labored right there means to, re- they, he says they wrestled with me. Not, he didn't wrestle with them but they fought with him in the work. It means to struggle together, to contend together. In other words, these ladies, these fellow ministers, they're my teammates, they're my fellow athletes. So I'm treating you, yoke fellow, you're in the work, you're laboring with me. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also, with, with other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Brother, sister, you're running somewhere in life. You're heading somewhere. Will you be happy with the destination? Will you be content with your standing in the race? Will you be crowned because you ran lawfully? Could you find just one faithful person that you could invest the word of God in? Is there just one faithful that you committed the things, right? Of verse two, the things that you heard amongst many faithful witnesses, and now you're fruitful. You know, it all boils down to one simple choice today. Will you run? 
Will you engage? Will you run? And if you'll run, will you do it right? Will you strive for mastery? Will you run rightly, lawfully? Will you, try, will you train with us and run with us for the finish line of verse two? To win souls, make disciples, and train them up to go and do the same. Now, look at verse six. It's no mistake or accident that verse six follows in our text. Six always comes after five. But look at the imagery here. Verse six says, the husbandman that laboreth. Again, he's just illustrating what it's gonna take to do verse two. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say. The Lord give thee understanding in all things. So point number two, Paul likens the believer's life to that of a farmer. In verse five, it was a runner, right? It was an athlete. But now, it's a farmer. The word there is husbandman. A husbandman in your Bible is not the keeper of a wife. I mean, a husband has a wife, but that's not what the word means. It's a, it's, it's, it means farmer, a tender, right, a, a worker of crops. And as husbandmen, as farmers, we actually follow God the Father's example in that vocation. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15, verse one. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the harmer, uh, is the, the harmer, husbandman and father, or farmer, oh my goodness, uh, the harmer. No, the farmer, God is the, my father is the farmer. There, I got it out. My father is the husbandman. Okay, so here in verse six, Paul is saying, the farmer that laboreth, right? He wants fruit, he wants reward, and he knows that it's gonna take work. The farmer has this in common with the soldier and the athlete. He must work if he's gonna see reward. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. In other words, you're God's garden. garden. You're his planting. You're God's building. You know, you look up in verse four, the illustration of the soldier. You have the phrase, no man that warreth in verse four. You see, it's possible, and unfortunately it's the case, that you have some of God's soldiers that will not war. They won't actually engage. They won't get into the fight for lost souls. There's, I mean, they're engaging in dereliction of duty. They're AWOL. Here, with the example of the husbandman, the farmer, in order to enjoy fruit, they must first labor. That's your next two blanks. So look at the text, okay? I, I look at verse six, the husbandman that laboreth. In front of that, there's a tiny little number three in my Bible that sends me out to the margin, right? It sends me out, actually, in my Bible, it sends me to the center column reference for the alternate rendering. This is what I love about my King James Bible is the translators wanted to give full disclosure of the text, okay? So here's how we've translated it, but here is an equally viable, an equally uh, probable way to interpret this. And so they give you the alternate rendering. And so I run that out to the center column reference of my Bible, and look at what it says. The husbandman laboring first must be partakers of the fruits. They're like, this could legitimately be translated either way. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. The husband, right? The husbandman that laboreth, right? The husband, the husbandman laboring first must be partaker of the fruits. 
In other words, the farmer must labor before partaking of the fruits. 1 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Okay, so in all three cases, it's the same. Again, same imagery. You're a soldier, you're warring, you're working. Well, obviously, your king provides a meal for you, right? There is a reward that comes with that labor. If you are a husbandman, you've got a vineyard, you're working a field, of course you would eat the fruit of that field. You're tending a flock. Why wouldn't you partake of the milk of that flock? See, it wasn't too long ago. There was a time just not that far distant in our past that if you didn't farm, you didn't eat. That's how it worked. If you didn't work, you didn't eat. If you're gonna farm, that means work. In order to enjoy a harvest, there's a plowing season, there's a planting season, there's irrigation, fertilization, dressing the crops, taking care of them. You gotta weed the plants to make sure that the plants are getting all the nutrients. And eventually, if you do the work, you know that there will be a harvest. Just like the soldier, the soldier works hard. He lays down his life on a field of battle He has a great cause that gives him a reason for his all-consuming work. He gives his life. Same with the athlete. There's a goal, there's an objective, and so they give their life to it. The athlete works hard. There's so much practice, There's, there's bruises, there's injuries, but they go through it all in order to compete well. He's got a cause, he's got a reason that gives him, right, he's got, he's got, he's got something that gives him a reason to train and compete so hard. If you wanna see fruit in your life, brother, sister, if you wanna have fruit that remains, you're gonna have to get to work. You're gonna have to labor. Farmer, I'm talking to you, farmer, you better get to work because the field will not harvest, it won't harvest itself. And in order to see fruit, that means we're gonna have to labor. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 10, verse two. He says, therefore, therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great but it won't harvest itself. The laborers are few, right? But the laborers are few. You know why the laborers are few? Because working a field is what? It's hard work. That's why the laborers are few. People wanna go watch a movie instead of working. They wanna go eat something really nice. That bowl of ice cream's calling, right? I'd rather do that than work. It's because the work is hard. So what do we do? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. This is what this chapter is all about. It's it's all about the work of the ministry. It's not called Christian playtime. It's not called believer pretend time. It's called the work of the ministry. And if you want fruit in your life, then set yourself to the work of the harvest. Don't be lazy. Get to work. What, that, what that's going to require, what that's going to mean is you're going to have to re- reprioritize your life. You're going to have to actually decide what you want most. Do you want your leisure? Do you want to go and get what this world has for you? What will be nice for you in the flesh? What will keep the devil off your back? Well, you do that, and then you get to the judgment seat of Christ and see how you feel with nobody's life change because God used you in their life. You're gonna have to reprioritize your life. What you desire 
in life is reflected by your priorities. You know what you love because that's what you do. That's what you give yourself to. If you, want to, if you want God to use you to win souls and make disciples, to help us in that process, then who are the prospects that God's given you to share Christ with? Are you building a relationship with them? How are you working to get to know them, to invest in them? Are you laboring in prayer? Again, if you don't have it, get that little yellow booklet. We have plenty of, copy, plenty of copies at the, um, uh, at the connections counter there in the lobby. Get a copy of that. It is just a brilliant, very succinct blueprint on how to engage in spiritual warfare through prayer. Pray effectively for the lost. Build relationships with the lost. Invite the lost to Bible study. Are you building relationships with those people? Well, if you're gonna do that, that takes works. What are you doing? You're working a field. That takes labor. It's, it's absolutely inconvenient. You're up early, you're up late. Whatever it takes to get the job done, you're investing in souls. And then are you trusting the Lord to give the gospel? I'm sorry, but that's the only way people get saved. And if you're gonna give the gospel, that takes work. Get this down in your notes. No one enjoys every aspect of hard work, but everyone loves the payoff of hard work. There are parts of, of hard work that you're like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. Tell it to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured. He carried his cross. He despised the shame. He did that for you and I. He did it for the harvest. Man, I pray he gets all the glory. He needs a big payoff at the judgment seat of Christ, doesn't he? When I was a kid, I grew up on a farm. Um, I was actually born here in the Kansas City metro area. I was born in Liberty, Missouri. I uh, started kindergarten in the Liberty school system and my dad decided he didn't want to raise his kids in the big city. He wanted to raise them up on the farm. He wanted to raise his kids the way that he came up and that meant a big garden. So we had cows, chickens, pigs, and a garden. And um, that garden didn't plant itself, it didn't cultivate itself, it didn't fertilize itself. Uh, that was my job. And I remember as a young child, you know, my parents were trying to engage me in this work. And I, I, I can remember times where I sat down in the middle of a row and started whining and crying. Did my folks have compassion on me? What do you think the guess was? Mike and Joy Smiles. Did they have compassion? Oh, is this too hard for you, baby? Go sit in the truck. It's okay. Yeah, we got, we got some soda pop in the cooler. Just sit there and play a game on your phone. We didn't have phones like that when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, just go, go, go take your ease. Did they have compassion on me? No. They made me do it anyway. So you can just... I mean, you can just sit there and cry and this job will take all day, all week, all month. It'll never get done. Or you can join us and get to work and then we'll go to the swimming hole. Oh, okay, well now I'm motivated. I never liked the labor in the garden, even whenever I hardened into it and, and didn't mind it so much anymore. But let me tell you something, I always loved the harvest. I, I was always glad to eat the potatoes. <laughs> I was always glad to eat the corn. I was always glad for the tomatoes. I was always thrilled at the harvest. If you want fruit that will abound to your account at the judgment seat of Christ, then brother, sister, farmer, you gotta get to work. 
You need your nose in the ground, sweat pouring off your face, and you need to be laboring under the sun. You know what the problem is today? We've got too many lazy Christians. They don't like hard work. They don't like the idea of it. They don't like to be inconvenienced. They want what they want the way they want it, how they want it. Effectually, what we have is a society full of infants. It's me first. They don't want to work. Proverbs 6, 6 says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. You can sleep your life away, taking your ease, just living your life the way that you want to live it, and when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be broke. It'll be a time of travail. Proverbs 10.4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Chapter 20, verse four says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. It's too hard, it's too inconvenient, it's too difficult. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Just as the man who failed to do the work in the field in the days of old and he regrets his laziness, so also you will regret your laziness when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ who worked very hard to rescue you. Brother, sister, join the team. Start training with us. It's not too late. Uh, It's not too late. Brandon, we're shutting down enrollment this coming Friday. And then tomorrow is when the first quiz is due, right? It's not too late. You can enroll in LFBI today. You can just start training with us in one of our courses. Uh, You you better watch the first lecture today because the quiz is due tomorrow night. Literally, you don't have to be behind. Get to work. It's not too late to jump in with us. It's not too late to go to the cost of discipleship class to consider from the word of God what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I mean, if you hurry, you can still be a part. You can run the race with us. Run with us in the Great Commission. Engage, don't be lazy. Stop with the excuses. Jump in, man, start training with us. The water's warm. It's a great time. I gotta tell you something, anytime you're part of a team, if you're part of a team that's actually winning, man, the camaraderie, all of, everything about, it's just great. It's just wonderful to be a part of something that's mattering. Well, that's a temporal, those are temporal objectives. Brother, sister, what we're doing, so help us God by his grace. What we're doing, we're trusting God that a little church from the hood is gonna rock the nations for the glory of Christ. Come on, jump in with us, get trained up, start running the race. Look at the front here. What is it, Chris? We got 18 different trips going all over, I mean, to the four corners of the earth. Come on the Great Commission with us. At a minimum, you're like, ah, I'm just getting started. Man, at least, at least get a heart for one of these trips and start owning it in prayer. Commit to be praying for it, praying for its fruitfulness over 2024. Jump in with us, run with us. Let's run well. Let's train hard, let's labor in the field that God's called us to. And then let's trust God for reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor and all the praise.
And these lost and dying sinners, what are they doing? They're going into an eternity without Christ. They're just being wasted. Oh, that God would give them to us that we might disciple them. We won't be greedy. We won't keep them. We'll train them up and we'll set them free to go do the same thing. Brother, sister, could you pray with me on that? Can you join with me in that endeavor, in that labor? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. I'm telling you, this world wants you to think there's only this. There's only the here and now. Our life is a vapor. Tomorrow, we'll be standing at the judgment seat of Christ. And this will be a time of rejoicing or it'll be a time of regret. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Father, I come to you now in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm asking for my brothers and sisters to get off the bench, to get off their sanctified keister and to put it to work training, laboring, working, trusting you for a day of reward, a day of great harvest. God, we wanna be used of you to win souls and make disciples. And that's not gonna just happen. We have to sanctify the Lord God in our heart. We need to be ready to give an answer for those that ask us, why are you the way that you are? Why are you doing what you're doing? We wanna ask, we wanna be able to give them the answer of your word. Lord, we need to be trained up. We need to be running the race. Lord, I'm asking that, that, that this would be a local church where every member knows how they're contributing to us winning souls, to us making disciples, where every member recognizes they've got a key place. Even if they can't go on one of these trips, they're praying, they're giving. Uh, they're giving of their time and prayer. If they have the resource to give sacrificially to help that ministry move forward, Lord, we're still owning it with those that are going, but Lord, please, that every member would be able to go on a cross-cultural missions trip to they themselves, uh, you know, go to another place, another nation, another people, another tongue, and share with them the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God, you do all things well, and we trust you. Those of us that are on the sidelines, that we'll hear your voice today. We'll hear what the Spirit is saying. I wanna use you. I want to put you to work. I want you to labor. I want you to engage lawfully, effectively. And I want you to be fruitful at the judgment seat of Christ. Brother, sister, get up. Don't be lazy. Don't be encumbered. Get up and join the race with us. Labor in the field with us. Let's be fruitful. Let's bring all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. Lord, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. Don't let us get away with wasting our lives. Lord, if there's anybody here today that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, your word says today is the day of salvation. The first step in running the race is running with Jesus. And so, Lord, please, um, would you bind the enemy? Would you strip away the excuses? Lord, would you have your way? You're worthy. You're worth being right with. Jesus paid the price to ensure it. Lord, would you strip away all of the reasons, all the excuses for why we can't surrender our lives to Christ? Would you pour out your spirit and conviction? God, would you have your way with each and every one of us because you're worthy? I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.